Welcome to the Bear Hug Club, a pro wrestling podcast of positivity. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bear Hug Club podcast. As always, Greg here, and I'm joined by Boo Garrett. How's it going, pal? It's going well. It's going well. And he's joined by Dog. What's your dog's name again? Angel. Angel. Didn't choose it. She got it at the <laughs> shelter. Oh, bless her. Uh, so, yeah, as we teased at the end of last week, uh, we're going to be talking about a promotion that's very sort of near and dear to our hearts, and especially because it's back on TV. We figured now was kind of the best time to kind of go through it. We're going to be doing a retrospective on progress. So we're going to essentially kind of go through a bit of the history, you know, how it was founded, where, like, the strengths and strengths it went to, a bit about why we think it was such a success. Also going to be covering kind of the main feud that kind of put it on the map, and and then we're also going to be talking about where the product's at the moment and where we think it will be going from here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited for this episode. What about you, Garrett? Yeah, I mean, like you say, near and dear to our hearts. We've said that a fair few times. I feel like we mm-hmm. name drop progress every single time we talk. But truly, like, you know, we became friends because you were a friend of a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just talked about wrestling. You came over for a couple of wrestling shows. And then just before you know it, it's just me and you at a progress show. You know, um, yeah, pro- progress has always been like, I pre- I'd like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of a better show or a better like uh, wrestling sort of environment I've been to. Um, don't get me wrong. We'll talk about some of the problems with it. Here oh, yeah. There. Yeah. We, but, should, we should point but... out there's, there's going to be a big chapter where we talk about their very recent troubles, because as people might be aware during a particular bad thing that happened last year, progress were heavily kind of implemented, I guess you would say, or a lot of the talent was think, at least. I think one of the problems is it's British wrestling, British wrestling as a whole. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk about British wrestling without talking about progress wrestling. Yeah, exactly. And it was like you were saying there, like for us, it was, I'd say it was one of the sort of saving graces when it was in my final year living in London. So uh, probably haven't talked about it a lot on this podcast, but obviously me and Gary met when we were both at university in London. Um, I, I stayed there for three years. So three years of study was great because I had lots of friends, met lots of new people, didn't have to work a full-time job as much. And then I tried to stay in London for a year. I had to work full-time and had very little friends left because they all scarpered from the city. But Stay with you being there was a massive help, and the fact that we could go to progress shows was kind of the saving thing in that as well. So it kept me going through some pretty tough times. So yeah, it, it, this promotion does mean a lot to me. I mean, as you can tell, people might have seen in the background of my room before. It's got my little progress flag. So yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a total fanboy. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna get my own progress you know? flag. Progress. Uh. What is it? It's like the eagle. Let's do a little, little, little bird. Hold on. Wait. Progress. Solid. All right, cool. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll probably be 
sharing plenty of memories and stuff as we go through, but why not? Let's just dive on in. So in kind of an ode to it, as we'll show, we're going to be doing things in chapters. So chapter one uh, in the beginning. So we'll just go through a bit about the history. So Progress, as we said, is an independent wrestling promotion that is based in London, and it was formed by friends Jim Smallman and John Briley, two massive wrestling fans. Smallman was a comedian at the time, and Briley was agent. According to Smallman, it was Briley who brought up the idea of the pair running a wrestling show, which Smallman laughed off, thinking it was just a daft thought from his friend. However, he soon realized Briley was very serious when he invited Smallman along to an indie show just so they could scout some talent and get some ideas for how they would actually set up their own show. The pair spent a total of seven months getting up the first show. Smallman is a huge fan of punk music, and as such, the pair tried to instill this kind of ethos sorry, into how the promotion would present itself, giving it a very sort of DIY, do-it-yourself feel. They also placed an emphasis on the promotion offering strong style-based wrestling, as this is one of Smallman's favorite forms of the sport, with obviously its roots and popularity mainly in, Jap in Japanese wrestling. Uh, the pair would settle on London as the location, and Smallman has stated many times that this was a risky venture at the time, as despite being the capital city of England and the biggest city in England, no one was actually running wrestling shows there at the time. He would mention that various people told him it would not work, but clearly the pair saw that gap in the market, especially as around about the time they formed was when the wrestling boom was really beginning. So obviously ICW in Scotland had been around since 2006, but then not just Progress was starting up in the kind of same year, uh, things like Attack Pro Wrestling and Birmingham as well, just to kind of name a few. Uh, they would sell on the garage in Islington for a venue due to its modest size, which is about a 350 capacity, and its solid reputation as a music venue. The first show took place around on the 25th of March 2012 with an impressive card of future big names in the business, such as Noam Dar, Zach Sabre Jr., and Zach Gibson. So kind of leading off into that, Garrett, uh, what were your kind of... Uh, sort of memories of wrestling in the UK growing up. Did you ever actually have any promotions nearby anywhere you were growing up or was it just kind of a case of waiting for WWE to kind of tour? Uh so I'm I'm from I'm from the south south not London south I'm south of south. I'm like <laughs> right right where Devon kicks You're right down. right in the corner. <laughs> uh the only thing more south of me is is like just a little flick of Cornwall. And honestly the I the thought of british wrestling as a kid wasn't even something that crossed my mind um i i grew up in the attitude era yeah. and on honestly i i don't remember a time where i was like where i thought about wrestling in the uk as a mm -hmm. you know when you you know you're a kid and you're like oh i could learn to wrestle i could wrestle in a promotion it was just going to america and wrestling yeah, um, yeah. I I didn't have any idea about you know the, the some of our origins and world of sport and 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 things like that. And in terms of shows, them coming down to Plymouth felt like a rarity, and I never got to go. Um, <laughs> I remember my at the time mother's boyfriend's sons were staying, and I uh, I I had to work up the courage to be like, hey, do you guys want to? go splits on wrestlemania and they said <laughs> uh they said that child shit and i was like i was like i don't know nine so i was like yeah child shit but <laughs> no um hmm. uh no i i didn't i didn't think of british wrestling as a thing at all and i, I barely knew about progress until I, I came to uni and and sort of started hanging out with you and and just learning about how how deep it goes and now you know knowing about sort of its roots in blackpool birmingham and just all over the uk um 
it's 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 very interesting to 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 sort of to be able to go to a progress show and be able to go to these sort of local shows now i've now after progress i've been going to like tiny little shows that are basically you know the ones where it's just like the poster was designed probably worse than worse than that yeah yeah you know very bashed photoshop job kind of thing yeah 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 Yeah. those part i feel like we need to do a whole a whole segment on just like terrible wrestling shows but yeah anyway sorry i went on a complete tangent progress is (laughs) pretty good that's, that's our typical thing here, isn't it? No, I'm, I'm kind of the same. So growing up, I mean, there's, uh, wait, there's not that much uh, difference between us, really, is there? So we kind of went through the same. Yeah, you're of... you're like 36. I'm like 22. So yeah, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, hairline, my hairline's about that. <laughs> Any more stress? If this is all gone. <laughs> Get fucked. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so... I was kind of the same growing up. Um, I think especially growing up when you were a kid and in your teens, um, particularly in the UK when we did, wrestling just wasn't a thing other than what was on TV, and it was very American. Like that's the thing. It was if it was if someone didn't call it wrestling, it was just called like American wrestling, mm. which was kind of very apt. Like the idea of British wrestling, I had no idea about. I remember knowing that there was vaguely, obviously, a British wrestling scene and what world of sport was. Do you remember? This this was not a very long thing. But there was actually a Sky Channel just called the Wrestling Channel. Did you ever come across this? I don't think I had Sky very early in my ah, life. Okay, I had I, it later. I think I was about in my my like early teens when I discovered it, and it was like it was pretty cool. Like I think you sometimes would get Ring of Honor stuff on there, but it was mainly like a lot of repeats of World of Sport and things like that. So I did have a vague knowledge of what that was, but not to the extent I knew how big it was for example. Um, but yeah, I was kind of the same. There was no kind of promotions. If there was something local wrestling, again, it's like the kind of trash wrestling. It was just like in like a community hall and it'd be people pretending to be the Undertaker, for example. You know, like the whole big thing of UK Undertaker and things yeah. like that. Um, yeah. And then the only time I like, I, I was lucky enough because I grew up in Durham and that's literally 20 minute drive from Newcastle and WWE always pretty much runs, when they do the house shows, runs a tour at the arena. So I got to see WWE at the arena a couple of times. But for me as well, like I really didn't dip my toes in indie wrestling until I came to uni and progress was kind of the gateway for that. Like just by pure chance, one, one time I just decided to, I think I remember seeing videos on it on YouTube and then I just got the subscription and then from there, it took off and then obviously we started going to shows and that was quite mm-hmm. a regular thing when we could, but yeah, it, it just wasn't really a thing. And obviously that's kind of a big thing. A lot of wrestlers look back on now and say, yeah, there was just no scene in the UK and it was because of things like progress, ICW attack, mm-hmm. whatever that the scene kind of blooms. So they've all got their own equal part to play essentially as well. Yeah. I, I think it, it very much bled into what I saw or, or imagined in British wrestlers as well, because <clears throat> as a kid, there really weren't that many what are you barking at can you hear people outside all right well um (laughs) as a kid there weren't many british wrestlers or anyone from like you know uh even even ireland you had seamus and yeah finley we had william regal as a kind of golden boy that's all i can remember but even william regal when i was growing up was still you know towards the end of his wrestling tenure he was still the best but that's yeah. beside the point um whereas you look now and you've got just i mean you've got nxt uk 
yeah. uh you've got rev pro you know you like representing new japan and it's it's i know that we we probably aren't the best people to say like the uk is the one of the best places for wrestling in the world but like i feel i i would assume that it's it's fairly well regarded as one of the better areas in the world for wrestling um possibly not to wrestle i don't know but like in terms of its production of wrestlers yeah i know i'd say we we are but i think that is part and due for the fact that we didn't have a scene i think it just caused because when you see and listen to all these wrestlers it's all kind of the same mindset like they basically wrestled in a non-existent scene to the point where even they were setting up shows themselves or it was just the fact mm. there was like-minded people like again because jim smallman and john bradley they were just even though they were in the entertainment industry they were just two fans who decided one day that they wanted to run a wrestling show and it's like like it's minds like that that essentially helped the scene grow and i think because of that that's why the talent pool for such a small country was so massive and then i mean the fact that wwe made a tv show based in this country on the back of that kind of speaks for itself yeah yeah um, I mean, whether it's whether it's good, the NXT have kind of done that. It feel like it's still too early to tell. Um, yeah. On the heels of the pandemic, mm-hmm. well, practically still on the ball of the foot, the pandemic. But <laughs> uh, anyway, chapter two. Chapter two. I mean, we'll get onto that a bit later because I mean, it kind of just tie into the narrative we'll be going through. But yeah, mm-hmm. chapter two. So this is just kind of give you an idea on the scope of like how much the promotion took off. So as I said, the first show was pretty much a su- success and the promotion would then go on to sell out 11 consecutive shows at the garage. It was during the first few shows. I think it might've been right after the first chapter when they did the second one that the pair met Glenn Joseph, who had a background as a theater actor and he'd be brought in essentially turning this duo into a trio who ran the company. So using their combined knowledge of the entertainment world and of course, all their love of pro wrestling, they took progress from strength to strength. And as I kind of alluded to before, the group always booked the bit with the mentality of they were fans and they were just booking what they were wanted to see. And that generally translate well to the wrestling audience because if it's fans booking it, then typically fans are going to flock to the kind of card you put on. The success was getting so big that progress eventually had to move to the 700 capacity electric ballroom in Camden, uh, with the first show there taking place on March 2014, and that obviously marked the two-year anniversary at that point as well. Uh, it continued the trend of them using historic music venues, and not to mention them placing it in an area of London that's rich with sort of alternative music history. Obviously, Camden is synonymous with the punk scene, and then the indie boom in the 2000s. Uh, to date, Progress has kind of sold out pretty much all of their shows that ever happened at the garage in the electric ballroom, which is mental to think given that they're approaching nine years at this point as well. Um, as the company gained even more popularity, they would take the show on the road with their first card taking place outside of London at the Ritz in Manchester in December 2015. And then from that point on, the promotion would regularly put on shows outside of London in places such as Sheffield, Birmingham, Newcastle, Bournemouth. Uh, the company would also not just be referring to the UK. They've played shows abroad, in particular places like France, Germany, and quite a few tours across the United States as well. Um, despite mainly operating from the electric ballroom, the tours aside, the promotion also held some special one-off quite big shows as well that saw them reach bigger venues. So the first of which was Chapter 36 in September 2016, where they put on a show at the historic Brixton Academy in front of 2,400 people, which I think they replicated the following year as well. 
Uh, for Chapter 55 in September 2017, it saw the promotion hold its first show at Alexandra Palace in front of 2,000 people, a venue they would revisit several times, including me and Garrett went to a show there. Um, and it would kind of become the main site where they would host their Super Strong Style 16 tournament. Um, as well as that, they've also been known to do festivals as well. So in 2014, they held free shows at the Sonosphere Music Festival. I'm a bit annoyed about that because I was at that festival and I do, and the whole thing was they had wrestling as a theme. And I, I remember seeing a wrestling ring there, but because I was a bit, a bit of a know nothing, I just didn't go check it out because I didn't assume it'd be any good. And I kind of regret that now. Um, in 2015, they also featured in Five Nights at the Download Festival as well, and that was kind of a precursor to what's happening now, where NXT and NXT UK basically run shows there all the time during the festival. Um, and the biggest show to date, however, was on the 30th of September 2018 at the SSC Arena in Wembley in front of 4,750 people. Uh, they kind of build it as the... The promotion themselves sort of build it as like the largest independent wrestling show in England for 30 years. That did catch them a little flack from other promotions, but I mean, given that they were just a small promotion out of London to then go on and play the SS SSE, it just kind of shows how big their popularity took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Any kind of thoughts on sort of the growth? I mean, it's kind of incredible to look at, given that that it's within. Barely eight years, they went from a 350 capacity venue to nearly getting 5,000 at, at an arena. It's pretty insane for like what is just essentially an independent wrestling company. Um, I mean, I've looked at uh, simply putting on a, a small show with just, you know, friends and whatnot in, in like an actual venue and, and hiring actual things. And even yeah. just just doing that without paying people is still quite, like very costly uh mm-hmm. even if you try and do like a modest entry price to people um i've seen a lot of promotions that i liked and and one of the best shows i've been to uh was uh lucha forever ultimo battle uh lucha forever doesn't exist anymore uh and there are quite yeah. a few promotions like that that have kind of got too big for their boots I, they went out of business, I think, fairly soon after Ulti- Ultima Battle. And if you mm. look at the card, you kind of know why. That they uh, spend more on talent than they could actually afford, essentially. Yeah, uh, there was there was quite a lot of matches. I remember at the end, they teased... Um, who did they tease? British Strong Style against... They just had British Strong Style against CCK, I think. Ooh. CCK and also... Nice. Um, uh speedball mike bailey yeah i'm sorry that is speedball isn't it? mike bailey that's i think so name. yeah yeah they're, they're like the 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 karate kid type guy uh and then afterwards marty skull uh zach saber jr and someone else came out i can't <laughs> remember the name of their stable it's like it's like london 3000 or something like that uh and they teased a thing between them which i don't believe ever actually happened because again, a little bit too big for the boots. Um, never got the shirt from them because I bought front row tickets that came with a shirt. That never happened. Again, just kind of promising things that like you couldn't fulfill. Progress yeah. is. You sometimes I sometimes look at the talent there, and I guess perhaps it just comes from me not knowing what the deals are. Um, mm. I, I was so oblivious to like what they must be paid that I didn't expect when I, when I first time I ever went to a show and I went to a merch table, 
uh, and I look up and it's the wrestler themselves selling their merch. That was confusing to me because growing up um, with the Undertakers and Rey Mysterios and whatever, yeah, I still held a lot of the even indie wrestlers to that regard um, because I'd still seen them wrestle in New Japan or I'd seen them wrestle uh, at the time on, on like, you know, smaller things. Uh, well, not small. I'd seen them wrestle on something, whether it be online. And then, you know, looking up and then the wrestler being just just there and just like asking you if you wanted a, a, a picture with them and things like that. That yeah. was weird to me. Um, well, while we're on I that, guess should, it's should just we like, tell our fun merch story from Progress? Yeah, we might as well. Uh, might as well. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it. Up. it. Yeah, so the first, it was actually the first show I took you along to, I believe, which might have been my mm-hmm. second time going there. So yeah, um, I got the tickets and I was like, ah, oh, who can I bring? Oh, well, Garrett's still around London. That's fucking, that's fucking just go, man. So he was like, oh man, how much are you for ticket? And I was like, don't worry, just get me a t-shirt because I'm a massive merch hoarder. Like if, 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 I, if I have tickets to a show and I bring you along, just pay me back in a t-shirt. That's typically how it works. Mm-hmm. So we get there and I was like, I really want a Mark Haskins t-shirt. Now, as Garrett said there, the wrestlers will be out there to sell the merch, but you have to specifically wait. So sometimes they might be at the start of the show, sometimes they'll come out at the interval, or sometimes it might be at the end. So it's like you've got to kind of wait to when someone's available. And sometimes it can be the case that they do have someone else doing it for them. Like I've bought merch from people who must be clearly gone along with them to help handle that side of thing. But typically right. he's right. You'll usually see the wrestlers there just doing it. So we go approach the merch table, and behind it is Jordan Devlin. So I'm looking at the show and I'm like, uh, I want that one. And Garrett's like, all right, come on, we'll, we'll ask him to get one. And I was like, well, no, that's just John Devil. I don't think he's going to sell us a Mark Haskins t-shirt. And he was like, no, no, I be don't, fine. No, I don't remember <laughs> you exactly saying, I don't remember you exactly clearing that. I, I didn't really, I wasn't too familiar with Jordan Devlin at the time, but mm. I did go straight up to him and he was like, he's like, oh, hey man. Uh, and we had a little back and forth, like, yeah, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, would you like a shirt? And I say, I'd love a shirt. Can I have that one? And I point over it. Uh, Haskins shirt, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's not. You have to wait for Haskins." I'm like, yeah. Oh okay. And then I would just walk away. Cool. And we just walked off, like really awkward. Yeah. I mean, the way I remember though is he he already didn't look very happy to be stood there. He looked a bit angry already, and I don't think he, it really helped that we just kind of went up and tried to get him. This to was this was another dude's merch. <laughs> this was before. Was this the interval? Was this before? I can't remember. No, this was like right when we got in the venue because when you go into the electric ballroom, you literally just walk as you go down, down the stairs, stairs yeah. and it's right when you get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know who he was. I thought he was just a guy helping out. So not the current cruiserweight champion. Now, yeah. not then. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I felt. I, I just remember, like, I like. I, I think we both felt very cringe about that, and it just kind of like really irked me about ever going to the merch table again because we both kind of felt like a bit of a tit for it. But then I finally undid that when they came to Newcastle and I got a picture with him and he was really nice. And then on the exact, on that same show at the interval, I went to go buy a suplex hat and I did the same thing and asked the wrong wrestlers to sell it to me. So I completely undid the fucking bad feelings. <laughs> uh, they need to have like big dividers, right? Yeah. To, to, you know, to say. Section it off. <laughs> How was I supposed to know? I was probably supposed to know. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, so that's just kind of what it's like. Um, what but yes, the about? growth. <laughs> yes, needing growth. a bigger room. Um, well, it's like you were saying, like, 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 obviously your story there, like with the whole Lucha thing, like a lot of promotions do get in with the intentions of thinking, ah, if we get this person and that person, we'll see the money back. 
for progress, from what I've heard, it took them a ridiculous amount of shows before they even really saw anything to do with a profit. Like, and I think the reason why they they might have just made it is like you got to think at the time, despite the fact they had a Zack Sabre Jr. and a Zach Gibson and a Noam Dar on the show, they probably were able to get them for a lot cheaper because they weren't massively well known then. Like Zach Gibson has hair on this first show. He, he, he'd get you, become... have, you, to, you of all people can't call him out for that. All right. <laughs> he was he was yet to be Liverpool's number one, so he'd yet to kind of form that character. So I think they were probably just lucky in the fact they could get a lot of great talent and it wouldn't have cost them like a ridiculous amount. And then I think what would have helped is obviously we'll get onto with a partnership with WWE must have been a big factor as well. So I think that's probably how they've been able to kind of maintain keeping such a big card and getting more and more bigger names. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like people get into this and just don't realize the cost involved. And I think that's why this thing was there ever another show beyond that Lucha one you went to? Or was that that one show? No, they had they they had a big long catalog of uh, of many shows. Mm. Um, this was just one of their larger ones, um, and because I didn't know much about the promotion, there were a lot of like story threads going on. So they were yeah. they were trying for it. I think from what I remember, the because I then went to um, Osprey. I think he I think he took over mm. what was left of. Uh, Lucha Forever, and he made it Frontline. Oh, uh, okay, for, yeah, frontline frontline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, another company that I don't know if they've survived the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, just going on their their socials, they last posted on June of 2020. Um, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure the last thing I well, not the last thing, but but uh. I have a quote here uh, from Osprey. It's, it's time for a new start. It's time for a new era. And this one shall last forever, which was a dig at Lucha Forever. However, <laughs> the pandemic may have, may have, you know, ixnayed the frontline pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll be discussing that definitely later on. But I think that's a big thing coming out of this pandemic is like what will the scene be like, especially because... People were already already worried what's going to happen to the scene because of the pandemic. And then the speaking out movement happened during the pandemic. So that's just kind of made it even to the point where everyone's been like, what the fuck is it going to look like when we ret- when we can properly return to shows? But I guess it's just a situation of waiting and seeing, huh? I mean, there are plenty of young, hungry wrestlers waiting. But yeah. it's... And, I th- and, and places like Progress are the kind of places to make those people stars. Uh, I mean, they've taken a lot of pretty unknowns and and mm-hmm. done quite a good quite a good job with them. I mean, the uh, natural progression well, yeah. well, series um, in itself is... If you hold on to that a second, that'll tie in nicely to what we're going to go over next. Bam. Transitions, you see. We got them. So yeah, uh, so for the, like chapter three for this part, we're just going to kind of loosely talk about what what like i think generally why why it was a like why it was a success and what we think kind of made it a success as well so i've just got a couple of things that we just kind of go through so like i said earlier the punk rock the punk rock ethos combined with it, it was like a promotion set by fans essentially for the fans probably was like a big reason why it's success the mentality of the owners book and matches that they want to see clearly obviously translated well which is why they kept getting people in and had to go to bigger venues um and again i think it was quite 
I think they were kind of, I don't necessarily think they were on the first, but they were one of the sort of main promotions to kind of predominantly use music venues to kind of keep with that sort of punk ethos as well. And I think that kind of helped give it, I'd kind of describe it a bit of an underground feeling, which also would have played added, the th- added to the appeal. Like it felt like it was some kind of great, sequ- like great kept secret. Although despite the fact that it had a lot of eyes on the product, if you kind of understand what I mean. Yeah, no, I get that. It's, um, you, people always talk, I think I feel like maybe this conversation has died down a tiny bit, but people mm-hmm. always say shit like you bring back the attitude era, bring back, um, you know, punk rock wrestling like this. And it, it both brought it back without being, it was a homage in a sense to that mm-hmm. kind of wrestling without being that kind of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's very much just modern strong style wrestling yet still was able to keep that feel of mm-hmm. wrestling that I grew up on and that you grew up on and and that I am going to go out on a limb and assume that pretty much most of their fan base love and grew up on. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I, I think I think you're right. It, it was essentially strong style wrestling with a bit of a edgy cotton to it. That's how I describe it. Like if you went there, you pretty much did to see some like solid wrestling matches, but then there was just the kind of the feeling around it and the, the way they packaged it that kind of gave it its own kind of unique feeling to it. So I hundred percent agree on that one, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> uh, what I've also got as well, uh, I kind of put this as well. I, I, I always felt like it, it felt very welcoming as well. So like a common issue that I find with a lot of wrestling in general is that in particular because of the fandom, it can feel a bit... Uh, sort of territorial and gatekeeper-ish, you know what I mean? Like, But this promotion generally felt like anyone was welcome. I mean, one of their taglines was everybody welcome. And generally when you would go there, you have a good time, although you would still encounter those sort of dickhead fans in attendance. But then typically I'd say a lot of interactions I had with fans at the show were pretty pleasant. Did you ever have any sort of particular fan interactions at the progress show that you thought was good or maybe it was bad? Um, I remember I was at the bar once and I thought I was talking to you because uh, <laughs> there was just because there was just a, fr- a friendly a friendly taller man there, and I, I I I then was just just chatting to this guy for the whole time. Very lovely. Um, most people lovely, even the wrestlers at the merch table, even even when you piss them off asking for someone else's merch, pretty lovely. Yeah. Um, th- like you say there have been times where we've been at a show and fans haven't been and that's always going to be the case yeah uh very more well, outside I... of so i think i think the big thing that like the one time i, I really got pissed off as fans was when we were at the progress show at ali pally and uh, generally for the most part like because because for the most part we're just sitting in seats for that one as well so it's not like the typical ballroom where you're in like you can stand and you can kind of maneuver about you've got your own alley you've got your own when you find a seat you're just kind of there mm-hmm. and, and the people around us were just kind of gradually getting more and more annoying and what really tipped over the edge is when it was the Miko Satamora match who like an absolute legend of a women's wrestler mm-hmm. and it got yeah the fan the people around us would, rather than just enjoying the match, decided it'd be fun to just chant random wrestler names like you know obscure ones like just Perry Satin or Scott Steiner during the match. And I was just, I think I turned to you and I just said, I remember when I used to be a virgin. Yeah, I remember it too, like it was yesterday. Back in the day. Um. Yeah, I mean, there have been some people that just don't really get. 
because it's it's theater right when i go and yeah. see i i went to go and see a lot of theater when i was doing drama and performance at university um i wouldn't yell out other actors names during the show if i don't like a match like you you're you know it, it's a, it's a it's such a weird thing it's because it's such like because yeah you're welcome to boo if it's if if it's some fucking bullshit yeah but, like, exactly this wasn't some fucking bullshit. This was just the one of the best women's wrestlers of all time uh, putting on a pretty decent match. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We you, we've had like other people like that. It, it's it's a it's a weird line where it's an it's a crowd of people who when if you chant something like if you hate Gibson, take your shoes off, right? Yeah. You'll take everyone will take their shoe off because we hate Gibson, but it's also the kind of like it's it's so it's such a weird mix of boisterous and not boisterous you know yeah it's like a, it's like a football crowd that isn't going to go out when they're t- when let's say uh cck loses we're not going to go outside and smash up a car and then you know <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah there have been some some awkward people here and there of course. Well, no, it's like it's like we've said before when we had a big discussion about fans. Like progress wrestling fans at the show are generally some of the funniest and like most rabid fans ever. It's a bit like I guess like the ECW fan base back in the nineties. You know, they were they, they're very diehard people. But generally, like you go there in the crowd, some of the best you'll be amongst. And thankfully for that incident with that one fan, just clearly afraid of the female wrestlers. He it was like I think it was only him and maybe one or two other people were joining in with it, and thankfully the rest were just kind of like, "What are you doing, dickhead?" You know. Yeah. I think for the most part the fans are pretty cool, and it's like you say. I think obviously there's that argument of like, "Well, I've bought a ticket, I'll chant what I want." That's like, well, fair enough, but it's like a gobbian reason. If you're just being a deliberate dickhead just because you don't like women's wrestling, then just shut the fuck up. So yeah. it's like you say, if, if you don't like a match, that's fair enough, but like, don't try and ruin it for the people who are enjoying it. Like, if you hate, go at the bar, go at the merch stand. Go, go somewhere else you know what i mean if i buy a video game that i don't like for example i didn't enjoy cyberpunk because it was buggy i don't yeah. open my window and just start yelling at passers-by because uh, <laughs> there's just no point because they're yeah. not the fucking devs um i mean i guess it wasn't as bad as that one wwe house show i went to where the guy sat next to me shot himself and had to leave that was pretty rough. What? Uh, it was, yeah, me, Harry, and Alex went to mm. a show. Um, and there, there, was this, there was this guy with his, um, I, th- I assume it was his mother or something. Mm. And he so just, how old was he? Just, uh, probably like mid 20s or something like that. Um, yeah, he definitely had to, well, he left before the main event anyway. So, uh. and then the smell left. So, uh kind of carrying on then with uh kind of going back i guess to the overall presentation of the show one thing that i always love for it i think what drew me in is just the way they kind of what's a market it's obviously the logo itself like the eagle that immediately drew me in like i think i think there's something to be said like a lot of um indie promotions really don't put the effort into sort of the branding like a lot of them just use very quite generic stuff and it just doesn't stand out whereas fair enough like a lot of people have said progress's logo can have a lot of connotations to like very bad imagery i can i can see that kind of representation but at least it's bold and it stands out and then i also just like the way that they 
it's just a fun little in joke of like with, with a chapter name it's got some kind of daft reference to it so i kind of wrote down a few of my favorite ones so chapter 16 very very breaky breaky bishy bishy <laughs> chapter mm-hmm. 21 you know we don't like to use the sit down gun uh this next one might be my favorite chapter 35 writing nirvana on other people's bags uh Tied with, this one's brilliant, chapter 67, Bourbon is also a biscuit. That was when they ran a show in New Orleans at the same weekend as a WrestleMania. And chapter 84, and I think it was at the show, a school beef, have anybody got a bottle of orange dove? Do you know what reference that's from? No. Lucy, do you know what reference that's from? She might take a while to respond. It's a League of Gentlemen. Oh, what, the, the Sean Connery one? No, the, the comedy series League of Gentlemen. Oh. And what am I thinking of? Is that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never watched oh. League of Gentlemen? No. Get get on it, mate. What are you no, doing? No, I was more of like a <laughs> sketch comedy type of guy. I was like a Harry and Paul type thing. I was like a Mitchell and Webb. Nah, fair enough. No, Mitchell and Webb's sick, to be fair. Oh, Lucy knew it. Um, yeah, so um, any kind of particular chapter names that stood out to you? What was the? They did the Simpsons one. Old man yells at cloud, right? Yes, that one's brilliant because I had a double meaning behind it. I totally forgot about that one. Well done. Um, so before the reason why they named the show after that is because it followed comments from typical Jim Cornette. Um, he, I think he, I think initially he praised what progress was, but then he said that it was something about the way Jim Smallman dressed that he should be killed for it. It was quite brutal, yeah. So in response, they called it All Man Yells a Cloud, which is also a reference to Simpsons, but also a reference to the fact that Jim Cornette is very much an old man these days yelling at clouds. Mm-hmm. So very, very fun on-the-nose reference. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably my uh, my favorite one. Were they were they the running through fields of wheat one or that might I think Lucha Forever actually tried to do things like that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got the it's name a very British ones. thing making it a yeah. A I was trying to think, would Progress kind of the first to kind of go with the sort of weird names for pay per views or what, what shows rather than pay per views or like was there an instance of other shows doing it before them? I'm not sure where that originated from. Mm. I'd assume it probably just comes from them having have... a comedy background, yeah, uh, stand-up background, things like that. Because that's always that's just kind of like you know what they'd go with. Um, yeah, so Lucha Forever had a show called uh, Never Touch Another Man's Umbrella, which I think was a Marty Skull at the time one. Yeah, um, oh, it's looking at a poster here with Joey Ryan and Marty Skull on it. Uh, <sighs> Which is something mania. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. They they had uh, running through a, running through a wheat field. As oh. a show <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a very British thing. Yeah, I wouldn't Couldn't... be surprised if a lot of just indie shows in America do the same. Um, I know that things like bar wrestling used to. Oh, they used to do it, yeah. Because um, North Wrestling, which is my now no like local promotion, where I hope they come back after the pandemic. They they do the kind of same thing with naming their shows, so it's like a reference to kind of like a song or a film, TV, whatever. 
and progress just kind of really took that next level with some of them because some of them are very deep cut references but like for a guy like me who loves like very deep cut references that again was one of the things that sort of enamored me to them as a company like they're willing to have a bit of fun with just the name and it like again because like a lot of indie promotions will just take like the naming of a show too seriously but even then it's like it like I've, I've tried before it's really hard to come up with a cool sounding name for like a pay-per-view or a show like a that cool one or done. like a, a <laughs> by cool one do you mean like vengeance and yeah you know like one cyber that would be typical wwe main level stock you know what i mean yeah that, that's one thing i feel as much as we love aw i feel like their main pay-per-view show names are a bit lacking with double or nothing being the exception because that's like a really cool reference to where they came from I mean, they're pretty generic, just, you know, Revolution, whatever. And they, they do some classics. They've done, like, Bash, Bash at the Beach, yeah. things like that. Uh, honestly, maybe NXT has it the, the best where they can just say things like, well, New Year's Evil was really good. I like the I like that one. Uh, obviously, they brought back Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah. But it's usually just TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they done, what, TakeOver Blackpool 2. Um maybe that's the best way to name something if you were to name a progress show what what would it be Ch- let's say chapter 150 for hmm that is a good question really throwing you on the spot here yeah you are bastard you're better at this improv at me so what like you've probably got something already in your head um uh uh i'd probably make it like a social distance type deal uh or, or something um and i'd probably just call it like a chapter 150 herd immunity um <laughs> and i'd have i'd have a uh no touching a socially distanced uh rumble match or something like that mm-hmm. uh a socially distanced uh lumberjack match uh and like a uh and not a bra and panties match, a PPE mm-hmm. match, <laughs> where it's just like um, people dressed in like full like garb, like like visor, like CDC uh, hazmat suits, and it's the first wrestler to just like have it all ripped off, mm. gets the virus. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess that's where that leads, and they get like... written off. T. I, I haven't really thought it too far through. To be honest uh, with you. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Hand sanitizer on a pole match. Mm. There we go. I think I think I've got it. So if, if they ever did a show in Newcastle again, I'd want them to try and pull out a reference to Alveda Sin Pet. And I think the funny the funniest one I can come to mind is has that bastard given in yet, Dennis? I don't know. I'm not northern Deep enough. Deep <laughs> I'm not northern enough. I don't know. <laughs> this is just sometimes me and Jace will say things and it'll just be like an error screen across your face. It's I just get like completely cross-eyed. No idea what's going on. <laughs> Outnumbered, mate. Um, I, I think we've already touched upon it a little bit, but um, it's it probably deserves to be said. I think again, part of the success and the reason why it's so big is because they just had some of the biggest names. Like either they helped establish them, or it was just the fact like they just came through from other promotions. So when you just look at just a few of the names, I mean the fact like you know Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, Will Osprey. 
fault as Zach Gibson and Tony Storm all kind of cut the teeth in progress as well as other promotions. Um, I mean, Pete Dunne was the one who set up a tack with, uh, I think it was Mark Andrews. Um, but then it's also the fact that you've got quite big international names from the American indie scene as well at the time. So people like Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Tommaso Ciampa. Finn Balor came through when he was Prince Devitt. They had Adam Cole and they even got managed to get Samoa Joe. Um, I think it's a little wonder the, pro- like the promotion did so well. Uh, obviously, a lot of it was they grew the talent, but then the fact like that talent is now some of the biggest names on NXT and WWE kind of speaks a lot for them as well. I think it's kind of synergistic uh, in that regard Mm -hmm. where it's like they had these talents go when NXT UK was forming and they did the um, back before NXT UK was a thing and they did the United Kingdom championship um, and things like that. Uh, You know, you had these wrestlers, going back to progress with the belts and it was this kind of like you know with each other you'd go there because the um the uk champion was there and then you'd go and watch wwe because the you know he was then there it's Mm. yeah it it was it was synergistic in a sense um and they've still been able to have like a, a fair few big names now that they have that kind of more of a working relationship um, yeah, is that a good thing overall? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I think it serves well. I think I think what's kind of good about it is that it's not like they're trying to overload their card with people just because they can get access to them. You know, what I mean, it, it's like so. For example, when they last did Super Strong Style, um, they managed to get Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Cameron Grimes, who was still going by Trevor Lee at the time, and they were both under NXT contract. Um, Kyle O'Reilly was probably like an example where they got a big name that wasn't to the point where it was like them trying to like totally flaunt the fact that they've got these WWE connections, if that makes sense. Because he was still mostly just, he wasn't at the level he's at now where Kyle O'Reilly's kind of being positioned as being the like the new main eventer in NXT. He was still just part of the Undisputed Era puzzle. He was mainly just part of the tag team bit, but it's still, it's still like enough just to show that they can get the names, but it's not like they're going to just overload the card with the fact like they could get nxt talent if that makes sense you know it's kind of like if i went to a progress show i almost don't want a mega star coming out yeah my my tiny child but my tiny child my tiny child brain uh (laughs) it goes goes oh wouldn't it be so great if the undertaker came out to fight uh ojmo that would just be a bit too above the maybe maybe it's a bit much (laughs) Yeah, like yeah. I'd be like, "Wow, that was cool." Are oh, there are still three more matches? <laughs> um, but no, just having like having these names come out is is always fun. Yeah, and it, it's not like they did it every show. Like I think for something like Super Strong Style, you can you can understand why they would try and get like one or two big names from the NXT brand because it's obviously that's their kind of biggest show that they do. Uh, which we'll get actually we'll transition to that now then so obviously carrying on from that it's like how the promotion it wasn't just like the fact it was just a promotion that just had a general card each time like they did have some special one-off things obviously super strong style 16 we mentioned there so it's like a three-day tournament with plenty of other matches on the card i'd say it's like the closest thing you could get to where it's like a wrestling event that's equivalent to a music festival if that kind of makes sense i get you it's like three days and you've got like at least a good free four-hour show each day so, like, you're going to clearly have a lot of fun. It's just trying not to get into too much trouble leaving the venue when you're absolutely smashed and have to go back the next day. 
which I would typically do on many occasions. There's something about wrestling shows where I'll start off fine, and by the end of the show, I'm absolutely tanked. I think my first progress show back, I ended up throwing up outside of the Web Spoons in Camden because I was absolutely fucked. It, 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 there is a point where you go a little bit more quiet and you, you do kind of sway a bit more. <laughs> which must be a bit weird for you, given you're not much of a drinker, and yeah, I'm there just like throwing it back <laughs> well my my entire uh because if we don't have a seat when we go to progress my entire thing is just like trying to get a foot because like you know you're you're over here towering over everyone and i'm just kind of like you should just put me <laughs> on your shoulders to be honest because i can't see most of the time <laughs> would you really trust that after about five pints though you'll swear um, with me you'll just be like oh steady i don't know uh maybe if i had like if I if if I could be you know you know like a like a beer helmet that's like slowly drip feeding you if I yeah. could be in control of that and I could like slowly like if it, if I'm swaying a bit too much I like cut off the pipe and I'm like I'm like nah you had enough and when the swaying stops I'm like yeah get on that yeah why not <laughs> um, other stuff so we did mention this a bit earlier before as well as their national progression tournament uh, so this is obviously a much shorter tournament compared to Super, Super Strong Style 16 but what's great about it is that it's kind of their way of not only spotlighting new talent they've got in but it's a way of them of introducing new blood to the roster as well um, I mean just look at not the tournament they've just had the one before that's how they got Cara Noir into the company and now within a short couple of months he was their champion so it's kind of like a big thing that that tournament can do well for getting them new new talent, and it's quite a unique way of introducing the new talent. I think. Yeah, uh, they should always do things like this. It's it's the closest you get to New Japan's Young Lion thing, you know, bringing people up uh, from sort of humble beginnings yeah. uh, and and forming them into something. Um, WWE. I'm trying to think of something that's close to this. Well, their main product isn't anything like a, a developmental thing. NXT is no longer a developmental thing. Yeah. And even in its even in its roots, it hardly was. When it was a when it it was more of a developmental thing when it was practically a fucking game show. You know? By yeah. the time <laughs> by the time it became something with a, a belt and you know, it had like you know Bo Dallas and and you know your your Tyler Blacks, Seth Rollins, and whatnot. It was kind of already like, yeah, these guys had come through FCW. These guys had come from uh, Ohio Valley wrestling, um, mm -hmm. wherever. Um, I don't know. Does NXT doesn't really have any kind of? I suppose we will mention this later, but obviously, Progress and various of the indies are basically in partnership with WWE and have been for like the last couple of years. I suppose that is their sort of feeder system now, probably a bit more than NXT. That's where they're really sort of finding the talent that they want. And really, realistically, NXT is fair enough it's its own brand now, but it's still pretty much the place where a lot of them will go just to kind of learn the WWE way of things. Right. One of the newest signings to NXT is Eli Drake. Yes. Or Although LA Knight. Right? That's the weird thing about it is they take people who are already fairly well established at this point, but will put them in NXT still. Well, it's exactly why NXT is no longer a developmental brand of any kind. Yeah. I guess that I guess that completely died 
when it became a, a show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when they put Bala back on it and they did all this kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. Maybe even the closest thing you have to a developmental show anymore is just NXT UK, and even then, it's, you know, here and there, they what? Who the most recent signing? They had Ben Carter, who now oh, goes by a different name. They changed his name already. Yeah. Fucking hell, uh, Miko. But again, it's it's already been established. She's strictly there more for helping them train, and is going to be somewhat of an on on air talent. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if we're talking about younger talents, I don't think she doesn't really count. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but if they do let her be a, a more of a developmental role and help people, that's that's one of the best fucking gets you could ever get. Oh, the match um, she had with Kaylee Ray just kind of showed the role she's going to fill. It was an absolutely brilliant match, and again, it's just there to help people like Kelly Ray, who's already kind of a veteran of the scene from the Indies anyway, just get them even more prepared for when they'll probably inevitably, like she'll probably be one of the people to even go to NXT next or even just go straight to the main roster. Because it seems like, um, as a little side thing, it looks like Walter's got a big announcement, uh, which would be tomorrow, I think they do it, Thursdays. And a lot of people seem to think he's either going to be going to NXT now. I doubt he's going to go to the main roster because I think he's already said he doesn't want to go to work for the main roster. A little surprised is he's going to NXT because apparently he's very happy just staying in Europe. So I don't know. So I think it's more, I think it, I think it's because of the pandemic. I don't think he wants to do a house circuit. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the case. He doesn't want to do that kind of schedule. And yeah, yeah it kind of ruins the, uh, it kind of, it somewhat ruins the talent like that, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, other shows that they do that are really unique and interesting. Uh, Unboxing Live. So this is obviously kind of a funny nod to the sort of unboxing culture on YouTube, where typically it's just the total surprise card. Like they won't really announce who's going to be on it beforehand. Um, often this is kind of a, yeah, another way of them to maybe introduce someone debuting for the promotion. Usually someone who's actually a bit more established. It's not really someone new. Or it's like having previous stars return. So that's quite a unique one. Um, I'm pretty sure you came to one of the shows with me. So I think one of the, my favorite things to do is the throwback shows. So, so far they've only done two of them and it was a show where they did a throwback to both the seventies and they didn't have one at the eighties. And typically they'll go the whole mile of this. So in terms of the presentation, they make it look a bit retro and they'll even have the wrestlers come out adopting uh, hilarious themed gimmicks. We definitely went to the eighties one, didn't we? Yes. Um, the best match was Dr. Who against Marty McFly. Yes. Uh, where I believe the doctor lost and then got in the TARDIS, went back in time and then won. Yeah, yeah. Which was, was tremendous. Um, <laughs> it was um Chris Brooks as Doctor Who, and I can't remember who was I th- I'm pretty sure it was Mike Bailey. I think it was people. Mike Bailey. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I might be no, no. Callum something. No, I'm I can't remember. I, no. I won't. No, I can't remember. The, the, I mean, the whole thing, like, obviously there's a few that's, that you remember, but then the fact, like, a lot of them do go the extra mile for that gimmick, it kind of, like, if it's kind of hard to put the face to it, you know what I mean? Because they did, mm. they let them went out. I mean, obviously the other standout was Paul Robinson coming out as Dirty Dancing. And, like, uh, he basically broke character that, like, he was, he was in that character breaking his usual tough guy routine until the very end when he broke it ever so slightly and then went back into the... 80s character <laughs> who okay and I remember that it was um Dunkzilla as uh Wally and who yes, else was yeah. it who was the who was he against uh who was, he was, it, against. was it possibly Dan Maloney 
Sorry, the Iron Sheik. As the Iron Sheik, yeah. Yes, it was. The, it, was. it was the Iron. No, it was the Teflon Sheik against uh, Wally from Where's Wally. That was it. And yes. and and he would just he would just leave the ring and then he'd go and sit in the crowd, uh, and then and then the Teflon Sheik would just go and search for him. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've just remembered. I completely forgot about this match. The the best match on it, and I remember seeing it announced beforehand, and. Mm. I, it was it was Ilya Dragunov against Sugar Duncan, I think it was. Yes, and I yay. was looking at I was, I was looking at thinking, okay, so I'm not going to do it. They're going to make Ilya go very Drago from Rocky Four, and uh-huh. Sugar Duncan is going to go very American. But what they did instead was they made Sugar Duncan be the Russian baddie in that match and make Ilya be the American hero. So I thought that's yeah. actually brilliant. They kind of subverted the expectation on that one. It was tremendous. Um, I think, yeah, that was the last of the kind of the most interesting shows. But yeah, it just kind of shows that they are willing to not only put on some really good wrestling shows, but they're also willing to poke a bit of fun at themselves as well with those kind of throwback things and even unboxing. Uh, the only thing I kind of wouldn't kind of bring to life, which I think made it unique, is again, although they would have your typical belts, such as the world, the tag, and the women's, they kind of went out of the box with the titles as well. So the only other two that you ever had, but again, it kind of shows that they were trying to do something a bit different was they had the Atlas division title, which was just the opposite of a cruiserweight title. So it mostly championed big men rather than sort of the sort of faster lightweight. And then there's the Proteus division title, which was a brilliant belt, which they still have at the moment, but it's going to be interesting to see if they bring it back. So that one was essentially where the person who had the belt got to pick the rules of the match. So today only Paul Robinson has been the holder. And for example, his rules were if you want to win the belt, you had to either make him submit or knock him out. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's it's all gimmick stuff, but mm-hmm. but it's 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 not it, like it works there. Um, it's not like gimmick, say like the the hardcore belt and DDT where it becomes right. a bit of a joke on the twenty four seven. Like at least it's something you can really get behind. Like um, again with the Proteus one, like they did say like a bit jokingly, like if you want to defend it, you can do it in a dance off if you wanted to. Like, so right. I, in, in my head, it's a serious belt where someone like Paul obviously established it serious where you had to, because the matches he had defending it were very brutal. Yeah. Obviously, got to knock him out and tap out. But then there is the element there for them to have a bit more of a lighthearted thing. If one person had it and was like, you've got to like, again, win, win a dance off to win the belt. So it kind of, doesn't it tows the line i'd say it's not like ridiculously gimmicky but it's also like quite serious well progress is one of the i think any good wrestling company is able to to put on a variety show where you can have a 60 minute classic that has been built up over five years and people end up crying at the end of it mm-hmm. and then just before that you can put on a match with doctor who and marty mcfly you know um yeah. i think any decent wrestling show can recognize that they're a variety show and do that and mm. progress can do that and do do that like we watched the battle royale where vacant came out yeah exactly you know and then we yeah. had the main event which was you know a tremendous main event very emotional um and you know what we don't do as progress wrestling fans we don't go we don't go oh that was completely unbelievable it's like none of it's really it's wrestling grow up yeah yeah uh, exactly but yeah no they with that championship and like you say you can have someone come in and then be like we're gonna do uh a, a three rounds wrestling match like they do in nxt uk for like the heritage cup with yeah. uh and we're gonna do it like based on score and whatever that's how you beat me for this one and then the person that beats him can go um all right all of my matches are 10 seconds long and we're doing yeah. blindfolded or whatever. 
Yeah. And and that that will make a great as long as I mean, I guess even in progress you could make that main event. You probably wouldn't, but but you know. Well, it, I think it allows will, just for just for variety and and fun. I think they would. I, th- I think that's something I could add. I mean, because like this is the thing. Like since it's come back, which we're going to later. Right now, they've only just got the world championship as the only belt on the show. So it's going to be. We'll talk about that more later. But I hope I hope they bring back the Proteus belt. I can kind of kind of understand why they might not. Which again, we'll get onto a bit later. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think as well, what's good about them is it's not like your match card isn't your stereotypical one, which which we kind of champion. So it's like they would quite happily put something like a cruiserweight match in the main event. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's not always the situation where it has to be like a big man or a world championship match in the main event. They'll typically, if there's a big feud they've got going in another division, they'll put that as the main event. Like a lot of tag team matches have been in the main event for the belts and things like that. So they're, they're always willing to like give a card that is a bit mixed. It's not always going to be like a very regimented thing. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of add to like why you liked it or why you think it was uh, a success? I think it's just the willingness to be a bit outside the box. Uh, the wrestlers clearly enjoy what they do. Yeah. I assume there's quite a lot of creative control and just allowing wrestlers to do and be who they are. Um, and it shows, you know, when when it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it, it all pretty much always fucking works. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, to it, I feel like to even get to the progress point, to the point of progress where you can progress to progress. You you probably <laughs> already established yourself as someone who can either go on the mic, go in the ring or do both. Um, and yeah, uh, it's, it's worked so far. However, mm. there have been some hiccups as we will get onto. We will get on to, but before we do that, so like, like we're saying, like for this retrospect, we're not going to go through, every little bit of the company's history but the next thing is kind of talking about the feud that in basically put them on the map so obviously we've already said about a lot of the things that kind of helped them by what the way they structured the company but obviously a company's only as good as its talent and they kind of really land the feet with the jimmy havoc versus will osprey feud so before we go into it i just want to obviously put the disclaimer of the fact like we are obviously aware that one of the wrestlers that we're going to be talking about in this feud has had some pretty serious allegations leveled at him because of the speaking out movement but we feel like i felt like we couldn't really ignore this feud because essentially without this feud progress would not be where it is today this was what essentially was one of the main factors in it being a success um do you know much about the feud at all garrett yeah i i, I watched it when you uh when you uh i think you said to me uh garage you have to fucking watch this and i was like all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um it's it's pretty fucking good there's so yeah. many good like promo packages around it as well um there's just i think there's just like one eight minute long promo package that they did of just the entire feud and it's it's pretty good it's yeah. pretty good it's pretty good uh what, we'll, what i'm gonna do is essentially just kind of do the setup for it and then i've got a kind of a lead in for like how you can you yourselves can go and check it out so uh again like i said the main reason progress became a huge success was because of the feud between jimmy havoc and will osprey and at the time these two were pretty much still just up-and-coming stars but this feud helped not only put over the promotion put the promotion on the map but it launched these two into the stratosphere so the seeds of the feud would be set more or less from the second show. So despite being obviously a promotion that was predominantly wanted to be linked with strong style, uh, Havoc, even though, again, even back then he was known for his death matches, was brought in with the story being that if he was looking to prove himself and he wanted to essentially get signed by the promotion in terms of the storyline, 
so the following chapters would see Havoc uh, have many hard-fought battles, but ultimately he would be on the losing end of them. Despite this, though, he was given a contract by Smallman, which guaranteed him to be a member of the Progress roster, as well as offered him a world title shot. Um, however, Havoc would show his true colours and at, chap- at Chapter 9. So Havoc made the save on Smallman after the London riots did a beatdown following a tag team match. Um, Smallman was singing Havoc's praises, but then Havoc laid Smallman out with a steel chair and would like continue to beat down and cut a really scathing promo. Essentially, it kind of boiled down to Havoc thinking he was just being used by Smallman as kind of a poster child for progress, and he didn't want to be led astray that way. There's a lot to it. I'd just recommend checking out Chapter 9 if you just want to watch out the promo package because it is brilliant, and Smallman really does take a beating in it. Um, but the fun fact I've got around that is Smallman was very keen to do the angle with the steel chair. I haven't always wanted to know what it would be like to take one. Uh, but Jimmy being Jimmy, though, he kind of got a bit overly keen. And there's a point where he slapped Smallman in the side of the head. And as a result of that, Smallman did lose some hearing in one of his ears because of it. Um Jimmy's full turn into a bastard heel would be realized at chapter 10. So this show was, I believe, the first time they did the National Progression Series tournament, and it was won by Mark Andrews. Andrews would then immediately cash in his guaranteed world title shot against Rampage Brown, who came out sort of good. Andrews had been taking the shot then. But Andrews would score the upset win, uh, resulting in a huge pop from the crowd. But before he could truly celebrate, Havoc hit the ring with the London Riots. The group would obviously take out Andrews and tie his tag team partner, Eddie Dennis, to the ring post, and Havoc demanded a title shot. Smallman refused, and that was until Havoc pulled out lighter fluid and doused it on Andrews, threatening to burn him and the whole building down if he didn't get his shot. Smallman relented, and to add insult injury, Havoc demanded that Smallman be the one to make the free count. Havoc's dominance would continue across the following chapters with several successful title defences. He would also find a new ally in the form of Paul Robinson, who turned his back on tag team partner Will Ospreay. Um, I lost my place. Will Ospreay, and he found himself in the firing line when Havoc and his crew tied Ospreay to a steel chair, chapter 13, and Havoc tried to cough his ear, Reservoir Dog style. Uh, Osprey would eventually earn a title shot by winning the first ever Thunder Bastard match at Chapter 14, which sent them on a collision course. Uh, again, like we said, there's a lot that we could kind of continue on, but um, now that I've set it up, I would just urge you to go watch the matches if you wanted to, because um, the whole feud is brilliant, and they would have some absolutely tremendous matches, and it kind of runs the gamut. They had, like, death matches, they just had matches where it was brilliant, technical ability and high-flying, as well as just some great storytelling, um, and it, like the pair really did push the limit of the feud to the point where they nearly got progress kicked out of the electric ballroom after they did a spot where Jimmy was thrown off one of the balconies, and Osprey followed him down with a flip. Um, it was like quite a heavily gift and circulated clip at the time. Um, if you want to go check it out, I've wrote down all the chapters where they have matches together. So there's chapter 15, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you. Chapter 17, harder, better, faster, stronger. Chapter 18, the show we can't call Progressomania for legal reasons. Chapter 41, Unboxing Live. Chapter 46, I like to chill out here and shoot some dinosaurs. And chapter 75, these violent delights have violent ends. Uh, The feud resulted in progress being firmly planted on the map and the hottest indie promotion, not only in the UK, but arguably across the globe at that point. Uh, As we said there, it made Jimmy a huge star in the scene and he became progress's first big name associated with the brand. And he still holds the record for being the longest world champion. And of course, we don't have to really mention too much about Osprey. He became a megastar and it wasn't too long following this feud that he would make his way towards Japan. And now obviously he stands as kind of one of the best wrestlers on the planet. So yeah, solid feud. Um, there was a lot to it. I mean, me describing it there doesn't really do it justice. Like you just have to go back and watch the promos, as Garrett said. Like 
all of them put in so much into this and it's clear why this kind of helped launch progress it was gritty it had the perfect players involved and the matches were just tremendous wouldn't you agree i would agree um obviously it's very difficult when uh a lot of the stars have been and a lot of the previous um matches have been tarnished with uh you know speaking out and what happened um i guess your debate uh you you'll have to decide for yourself art versus artist um Mm -hmm. regardless at the time very good feud and um yeah i mean it's I get we were, when we're talking about um, people wanting the Attitude Era and things like that. This mm-hmm. was, you know, quite Attitude Era e in that it was fairly bloody, fairly brutal. Uh, nearly got them IRL kicked out of a venue. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's I don't know. It's I suppose it's difficult to talk about. I mean, even Osprey mm-hmm. and has come under flack. Um for i believe it was ostracizing it might even be a strong word i don't know exactly mm-hmm. but um for for i think he was maybe sticking up for someone who he shouldn't he have been shouldn't sticking have been. up for yeah yeah i don't know entirely but regardless um like you say it it still put them on the map at the, and you know you look at where those people did end up going mm-hmm. before what happened happened yeah yeah no it, it is obviously one of those things like we said at the start there with the disclaimer like if if you can go back and watch it because you can separate the art from the artist then obviously feel free um generally we, we talked about some previous episode progress we'll, we'll get onto it again been speaking out there progress kind of went back and edited a lot of the back catalog you can basically still watch all of this feud they didn't get rid of any of these matches bar the fact chapter 13 isn't featured on the show is an not the demand server sorry um that is the one where you nearly see him cut off Osprey's ear. Um, I would have recommended as well, uh, they made their own sort of documentary about the whole feud called Making Enemies. That was really well done, but that's been taken down now. Probably is one of the things that they just really didn't want to keep following the speaking out allegations. But it's all there if you want to see it, and we've given you the chapter name, so we'll kind of leave it up to your own discretion if you want to go watch it. But like I said, it's, it's such an integral part of progress. It wasn't really something where I felt like we could ignore um, we could have easily talked about other feuds, but this is the kind of the feud associated with progress, so it wasn't really something we could skip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, any other thoughts on that, or should we just go straight to the next bit? I mean, if we're talking about um, things that put them on the map, I'd say mm-hmm. Jim. Ster- um, well, not Sterling. Is it Sterling? Yeah, it is Sterling. Smalling. Smalling. Sterling is the one on YouTube. Yes. He's the YouTuber. Yes, I like Jim Sterling as well. Also into wrestling and is the yeah. current um, what is the promotion? Valiant, something, something in America. Star, I think, in it. whatever. Yeah. Um, Smallman was the first thing I saw of Progress when I went to Progress. You know, he's the first yeah. thing anyone sees because he's he is. You know, I when I went to other shows and all the other shows I've been to, they haven't had. Uh, a hype man come out you know if you when you go to a big comedy gig yeah a smaller comedian comes out first to warm up the crowd yeah um when you go to a wwe house show a uh a, a 
usually some backstage person on wwe who you've maybe seen in like one backstage interview but didn't make it to like the full time so not like your your um like kayla braxton not your um i guess i don't know any name name whoever just a a basic person comes out and then says um this kid is a big wwe fan and then that's that's what's supposed to get the crowd hyped up. But you go mm-hmm. to a progress, you go to a progress gig. You hit, uh, you hit the music, right? You hit his music at this point. He 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 comes into the ring. The whole crowd is behind it. It was weird. It was like um, it was like a cult the first yeah. time I, got, I went. Well, it's I um... didn't know what the the etiquette was. Uh, I didn't know what you were supposed to chant. I didn't know uh, where you were supposed to clap. Yeah. But the the entire crowd, you know, were were sort of in on this, and then yeah. Well, I, you know, because like the whole thing is like because I should point out Smallman, despite the fact of being a comedian, like he he said many times he never really wanted to be essentially the face of progress. That just kind of happened by accident because he's done TV work and things like that before, which is why he was often the one to do promotion if they had to do interviews and stuff like that. And that's sort of the only reason he became ring announcer is because they didn't have 50 quid spare on that first show to pay for a ring announcer. So he just had to kind of do it and that just kind of stuck. But again, that kind of worked for their identity. So what would typically happen is he'll come out and the fact like it gets the fans revved up anyway by the fact he'll first play um, a bit of introduction to For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica, and then and later on he'd come out to I'm Scun by Idols, which mm-hmm. is just like a perfect tune to get things wrapped up. And yeah, what Smallman's thick is before you get into matches, he will just basically warm up the crowd by like doing, a, I guess, like his stand-up skills. So typically it'll go... It'll um, get people to put their hands up if they've not been through progress before and then basically pick on people throughout the crowd and the crowd will all join in. So typically, if you say you haven't been to progress before, he will just say, they'll chant, it's your round. But they'll also say hello to you as well. So it's all very nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it definitely gets you hyped and it makes you feel like you're more welcome. Uh, it's the kind of thing that a comedian does and he comes out and he does a little bit of crowd work. Yeah. Um it's just it's all just very lovely and then you know you also have the almost um in hindsight poorly uh, poorly chosen uh mantra of progress which mm-hmm. is yeah so how does the full thing go well, because he, he basically revs him up by saying, you're allowed to do, uh, drink what you want, shout what you want, but please be respectful of the people around you. And as always a progress, there is one rule, and that one rule is this, and everyone will try and don't be a dick. Right. And as we'll kind of move on to now, the, a lot of their mantras, they didn't fully live up to. So uh, should we go into the speaking out bit now? We shall. We shall. So again, like like we kind of said at the start of the Jimmy thing, obviously we're going to be kind of touching on a lot of heavy subject matter here as best we can. So we're not here to upset or like upset anyone. If if you want to skip forward, please feel free to do so. So yeah, as 2020 dawned, progress would see some very troubled times ahead. Uh Jim Smallman would step down from the company after chapter 100, which was right 
in the last month of 2019, uh, and he would be replaced by commentator and close friend Matthew Richards. By this point, Progress had already established their working relationship with WWE, and when they launched NXT UK, both Jim Smallman and Glenn Joseph from Progress had been hired to be writers for the show. As such, Jim wanted to leave Progress to solely focus on the NXT UK role. Um, it seemed Progress was going to be heading into a new era, and the first few chapters following Smallman's departure showed it was in safe hands, so this was the show's where Cara Noir would win the belt and establish himself as like they're one of their top stars. However, as we all know, the coronavirus rocked the world and everything would have to be forced and shut down and everything went into lockdown. So questions already been thrown up about what the shape the wrestling industry would be in following the virus, but then that was added to when in June 2020, the world would be rocked by some truly shocking reveals. Many wrestlers, talent, staff, and fans took to Twitter to reveal allegations of, of sexual harassment and abuse in the scene, which would become known as the Speaking Out movement. Scenes across the world would see many big names brought to the front in these allegations, with the UK scene in particular having a lot of the bulk of those names brought forward. So this included some top stars in progress, such as David Starr, El Leguero, and Travis Banks, with these wrestlers being permanently banned from the promotion and even having some of their content removed from its demand service. Then tag team champions Scotty Davis and Jordan Devlin were also stripped of the belts and suspended from the company. And as we alluded to, Jimmy Havoc, who at this point was part of AEW, also had some pretty serious allegations leveled against him. And that resulted in him being let go from that company. Um, however, it was not just talent that came under fire as the management of progress came under the spotlight as well. A fan revealed on Twitter that following a show, he encountered Jimmy Havoc at the World's End Bar in Camden, a regular spot for wrestlers and fans to go to after the event. When the fan approached Jimmy to give him congratulations on a great match that night, Jimmy responded by punching that fan in the face. When the fan brought this up to management, he was sent an email saying that the company was not responsible for the talent once they left the premises, as they are not under contracts by them. They also tried to pass off Jimmy's actions as him still being in character. The fans tweet on the whole of the whole event uh, was retweeted by obviously many people, many wrestlers, including Pete Dunne, who found the whole situation to be handled by progress is absolutely shocking. I'm going to link that uh, an article which has the email and things in if you want to go ahead and read it. Um, management, of course, tried to reach out to the fan with Glenn Joseph responding to his tweet, asking if they could talk privately. However, this caught the attention of wrestler Dan Maloney, who at that point was already sounding off on a lot of people in regards to these allegations. Like He was ramped up on Twitter, and he leveled some pretty serious allegations against Glenn Joseph as well in regards to his conduct towards female workers. Uh, those tweets have since been deleted, um, and that would eventually lead to Glenn stepping down from progress, as I'll get into in a moment, as well as NXT U care but before we get to that what are your kind of thoughts on the way progress handled that particular situation they are hr they are the mm -hmm. boss anything that happens in their promotion they are somewhat liable to yeah. you know it's not enough to just be like what well, happened outside so it doesn't count well tell you what i do i've got the email do you want me to read their response out sure so you've got the full scope of it. So yeah. I'll read his first. So he put he sent to them in an email, which you can see the copies of on his tweet. Hey guys, brilliant show yesterday. My first one and fairly enjoyed it. Went to the world's end afterwards. Great to see all the guys from the show there later as well. However, I saw Jimmy Havoc at the bar, simply said great match to him, and he punched me in the face. As you might have seen, 
I've asked Havoc why he did this last night on Twitter today, and he can't remember the incident. I've called the pub, and they do have CCTV. I'm in two minds whether or not to report to the police. To be honest, I'm not happy with the incident and don't want the headache of going to the Met. I just wanted to make you guys aware of the incident, really put a downer on what was a top show and after beers. Then they responded with, hey... Uh, thanks for the email, and I'm glad you enjoyed the show. While I can fully see that being punched in the face by anyone isn't a pleasant experience, as I'm sure you can appreciate once the event is over, Progress is not responsible for the actions of anyone associated with the company as a performer or support crew. Talent are not contracted to us in that way. They are independent wrestlers. From your description, it sounds as if Jimmy was trying to protect his character, but had had a bit too much to drink. That's not an excuse, merely an observation of how it looks from here. If you want to report it, you're entirely at liberty to do so. I will be calling Jimmy Havoc this evening to find out what happened and where appropriate we will take necessary disciplinary steps. It's very mixed bag. I mean, they clearly didn't do enough. Like they were, it, it, it felt like they were more trying to just brush it off as not their problem rather than trying to work with the fan for a solution, which is what they should have done. Yeah. I mean, a simple, a, a better, um, Thing would just be say you will investigate and then to actually investigate would be ideal they I should mean, look they should they should seek the cctv themselves and then talk to their their own wrestler the the the, the completely played out and bullshit they're independent contractors yeah um, if i was completely if shit. i was yeah it's bullshit like he's he was with them for how many years at that point well, I think it's not that it, clearly he's never he wasn't officially signed to them because that's the thing they they never had people who were just exclusively to them because again it's an independent company. My standpoint on it is that they were all clearly good friends with Jimmy, and the, the fact of the matter is, even if he's your friend and you you want to protect him, you could have at least said to the fan, "We will speak to Jimmy," and like at least try and get him to apologize, even if he's claiming he doesn't remember the incident. Is at least like a step in the right direction, in my opinion. And it's the fact like you can't you can't just say it, the fact like just because he's not contracted to us, we can't do anything. Like you can. He's still talent that works for you and it's still happened in your back garden. You can't just let them get away with doing things like that to a fan. Right. Well you're still you're still platforming someone that potentially has allegedly at that point done that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's there's more that they should have done, especially in that moment and in many of the other moments that came out. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know. It's it's difficult to believe that they were oblivious to everything that was going on because there was a lot, you know. It was a large chunk of your roster mm-hmm. that were that had allegations placed against them. Um I don't know. It's it's a very difficult situation and yeah. They've seemingly come back and I mean a lot of the wrestlers that had allegations against them um and I I don't know if any kind of court proceedings happened from anything. I don't know um, if anything uh, was true or false. Um, No, it's not my place to say if I have no sort of um, idea about it. But you you have people like Devlin, who I assume would probably never come back to progress, who is the current uh, Cruiserweight champion on NXT UK. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. So he's, I mean, it's its not been said what talent might be allowed back now. Because again, him and Scotty Davis were only just suspended. It wasn't, I don't think it's come out. I don't think there's been anything since saying that they're not welcome back there anymore. I think you have to kind of assume that if, 
Well, we'll get on to like maybe why not in in a second because of like a, a returning face that did cause some issue recently. But you have to assume maybe maybe there's a chance he might still show up. I mean, you've, you've got to think there must have been something done to look into this. Well, you'd hope at least anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. A lot of the the, the wrestlers that are. Mm-hmm. It, it a lot of them are in limbo now and i think that's partly due to the pandemic because i feel like a lot of promotions especially smaller ones would probably take a lot of the bookings from these people um you had marty skull who uh recently re- appeared on new japan strong and that went down like a lead balloon and, and then subsequently back. is no longer on new japan strong yep um, and Joey Ryan's been trying because there was the whole thing about him. Was it his company that was running that women's charity event? And obviously, people clocked him on the poster because I'd heard. Obviously, the main thing that kicked off was the fact he was on a poster for a women's charity event. But then I'd heard also apparently his promotion was heavily linked into booking that event. Is that right? I believe so. I remember him tweeting recently um, that Joey Ryan is dropping a lawsuit he's filing to hold on let me go uh he says i filed to dismiss the pennsylvania lawsuit too we're all struggling with mental health myself included uh him and i will never agree as to the events in 2013 but i could be more uh sympathetic i went through something similar in 2018 and understand his pain what are you doing please don't throw up in my room (laughs) while i'm while i'm reading uh tweets from alleged abusers anyway uh, and I went through something similar in 2018 and understand his pain. Uh, and then CM Punk replied, dismiss it with prejudice if you mean what you say. Yeah, I remember reading that, yeah. So I don't know. It seems like a lot of hollow hollow words just dragging yeah. things out. Yeah. I, I think it is going to be a situation where clearly we there's some of these names that are brought up. Because, like, again, a lot of it's still under investigation as it should be like i think i think there's definitely gonna be a lot of people who will come out of this cleared like maybe maybe there was a lot of things that was clearly not true but obviously there's a lot of them that are true and that means that we should hopefully never see them again in the wrestling scene but then you can't always judge on that i reckon there'd be a lot of you see i've seen a lot in documentaries there's a lot of desperate low time promoters who would probably be more than willing to happy to put them on a card yeah probably would assume they could still draw a bit of money for them i think statistically there's probably not many of them that will come out as not true statistically yeah exactly yeah. I, not again i will say allegedly and all of it because i don't know i yeah, have no yeah. idea and i will never know uh you know if um J- it just came out that jason jordan was cheating on his wife or something like that allegedly okay. i don't give a shit i don't care if he was cheating on his wife yeah. If whoever he was having sex with consensu- consensually, it's his business, don't care. I would mm-hmm. like him to wrestle if possible. However, when it's something that is making someone in the industry feel like they can't be in the industry or someone feeling coerced into something or someone underage who can't consent to something yeah. or, you know, whether it's physical abuse at a bar or wherever, then I don't want them in a wrestling ring. If like, if it's a consensual thing, but it's, you know, cheating, I don't care. But if it's, well, that was, um... if it's that, I mean, one of the biggest problems is that conviction rates are so low. Yeah. One of the, uh, we've currently got like, you know, um, 
protests and vigils for Sarah Everard in in London and probably around the UK. Uh, it's difficult to tell because the BBC don't give a shit about showing everyone. Um, but, you know, it, it's right at the forefront where convictions are so low um, and yet it happens to so many people and this disparages people from, yeah, maybe they will speak out about it, mm-hmm. but they may not go through the struggle of going to, you know, the the, the London Met. Or, or anywhere like that because it is a fucking struggle friend of mine yeah. um friend of mine w- was raped and and had to give her phone as evidence she lost her phone for like a year to the police because they had to search through it or whatever um and it's just for to for to have to go through all of that and then to the end of it to for them to say something like inconclusive evidence is such a fucking hassle and yeah and and you know it's a lot of the time it's punching up because these people have have money and it's very difficult no i agree no it, it's it's a uh, the, the hope is with things like speaking out and me too is that it's gonna and even the recent sarah everard thing is that it's gonna hopefully bring change that much needed change to this kind of thing which is why it's like you say people for so long were so scared to ever say anything I think especially in terms of the wrestling because of the fact like they might just get blacklisted and like wouldn't have the support there when clearly they finally did. And then it's just the fact like the procedural to try and push this forward needs change into the fact like they they have the hope that something will be done. And I think the good thing about this was that it saw is that it has started to bring about change and we are sort of seeing it and hopefully it is going to continue so it is a much safer and better scene for not only wrestlers but for the talent, the people involved with the production as well as fans as well yeah uh it, it's it will come i mean we're, we're just two fucking dudes talking about wrestling in in dingy rooms but yeah. it will come from uh you know background checks on on wrestling instructors it will come from that on promoters and some kind of you know uh things put in place to make sure that there is an accountability of some kind and a place that people can go and talk to um i don't know you, you you probably just shouldn't get too chummy chummy with the boys in the back mm-hmm. because it will lead to things like you just you know being putting blinders on and not reporting things or not listening when someone tries to or people being afraid to because they know that you go out to a bar and when someone punches someone else you say he's just in character yeah yeah like there's there was there was ways that this could have easily been dealt with and it was just the fact like everything built up and inevitably had to come out um kind of looping back i mean again the management really should have dealt with that situation a bit better with that fan like even if it was just a token thing of like we're sorry on behalf of jimmy we will speak to him even just offering the fan like we'll like like feel free to come to our next show at our expense and have a t-shirt like that's at least some kind of a goodwill gesture in a, in a way. And at least, it sh- like, I mean, it doesn't fix the situation, but at least it shows they're trying to like help the fan. That email just kind of shows that they really didn't show much care, and it kind of goes against the whole thing of everyone welcome in a lot of senses. And don't be a dick. 
Yeah, they they didn't really keep to that mantra at all times. So no. Um, so yeah, it, obviously it wouldn't take long before it was announced that management and progress would be stepping down. So Glenn Joseph announced he was leaving the promotion. Uh, so did Matthew Richards, uh, who was obviously only just stepped into the role at that point. I should point out there were no allegations of against Richard. It was probably clearly a situation of that like, he was just as shocked as the rest of the world was and was a bit. Uh, taken aback and upset by the whole thing. John Briley, um, who announced he was stepping back as well. However, he is still technically the owner of Progress. It's just he's not going to have much of a hands-on role of it. He's just more in name alone, I guess. So it still technically is his uh, product. Um, it was announced that Michael, I'm going to probably push them, I think, Oku, OKU, uh, essentially the rest of the OJMO, uh, Vicky Haskins and James Amner, would be taking on more prominent roles in the company to help try and steer it in a better direction. A lot of those names I don't think are still attached to anymore. I think like it was it was announced pretty quickly, and then there was some more change where a lot of them just couldn't do it because of scheduling or whatever. So the, they had to change into some other names associated with it. Now, I did try and find out just to double check, but I was having trouble getting direct sources on that. Um, However, some of these people are already mentioned that we're already getting kind of scheduling conflicts. So, yeah, progress particularly did not look good coming out of the speaking out. But then again, not a lot, of, like a lot of wrestling promotions didn't come out of it. I mean, a lot of them had to close the doors just because of this alone. And as we've seen, there is still a lot of wrestlers who are not looking, looked upon favorably and are still trying to get around. But I think things will change and it will be a situation where anyone who did do anything particularly horrible will get the justice in due course uh fingers oh, crossed i don't hope. i don't we i hope. don't have much faith in the uh british justice system currently um i mean what are we we, we now have to protest for our right to protest so yeah that's just that's just a fucked up time i mean like we say though hopefully it's going to bring the change that's needed I mean, things but things might get a lot worse before the lot get a lot better. But I, I like trying to remain positive that things will hopefully improve. I try to be and, as I, and I don't positive remain positive. So that's uh, we balance each other out, you know. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. You, you on your your sugar on one side of the scale, and I am just a pile of salt on the other. I'm glass half full. Your glass half empty. It's already been smashed and thrown in the bin a while ago. That glass. <laughs> Right, well, transitioning again. So, like, this is the last sort of chapter we'll be doing, which is obviously a new beginning. And I'm putting, I put a question mark on the end of that because it's kind of a bit hard to tell. So, it's a bit of a mixed bag what's kind of gone with the promotion since then. So, following the speaking out movement, it was clear progress and the rest of the scene as a whole would have to do a lot of work to change the business. So, some things have come out of it. So, several MPs, along with a lot of the women involved with the speaking out movement, have now formed what was known as the All Party Parliamentary Group for Wrestling chaired by MP Alex Davis-Jones, Davies-Jones, sorry. And they're looking up to set up the regulatory body for the industry to kind of help filter out, obviously, all those bad people involved with it. Progress themselves have made numerous posts uh, updating people regarding their introducing of new safeguarding and whistleblowing policies to help protect its talent staff, as well as the fans, as well as a revised code of conduct. Again, I'll place these in the description wherever you're listening or watching this, just so you can have a go, have a read of it yourself. Um, while sort of still rebuilding from the wake of the speaking out, um, Progress obviously still couldn't run shows, but they were still able to sort of spotlight themselves. So there'd been a long-standing rumor and report that 
Progress, along with some other prom indie promotions linked with WWE, would be getting added to the network. And this did happen and was confirmed. So at the end of 2020, both uh, so Progress, ICW, Evolve, and DubXW all had content added to the network. And it's been a continuous stream every week of new chapters and new shows added from all those promotions. Um, it would still be a while before Progress could run new shows. However, that changed this year on the 20th of February when uh, they were able to run Chapter 104, the natural progression series uh, that aired both on their demand service as well as the network. And since then, they followed up with a steady stream of shows. They've had Chapter 105, Bring the Thunder, which had the very first Women's Thunder Bastard match, as well as Chapter 106, Put a Pony in My Pocket, uh, respectively. Uh, these new chapters are obviously being done under the restraints of lockdown, so they've had to move out the ballroom, and now they're at the Theatre Peckham. Uh, there is no crowd in attendance, and everyone performing is required to wear a face mask. Um, we should point out as well, uh, despite when they launched the show, there was a bit of other controversy. So Paul Robinson was backstage, I think it was at the Chapter 104 show, purely in a booking sense. Uh, he had allegations leveled against him where he'd made, where he'd kissed the 16-year-old. Following that show, obviously, there was a lot of reports of, again, about, like, were Progress, like, if Progress had introduced these new measures, were they being that effective if they would allow Robinson back? They obviously had to release a statement saying that they'd investigated the situation and gone through the procedures, but... Ultimately, what followed was Progress announced that we were no longer working with Robinson, and Robinson himself released a statement regarding the situation where he denies the allegations. So, leave that to your discretion what you think on that. Um, generally, though, uh, I, so I've watched pretty much most of the, the new chapters that have come out, um, and I think you've caught a few yourself. What are your thoughts on the product now? Um, did you like anything about it? Because they have, like, obviously... Because of, because of where, the way the film it, there has been some changes, but it does feel like the, it is a bit of a different product to what it previously was. Um, do you like the direction it's going so far? Is there anything you dislike about it? I still like where it's going. Um, we had the first female Thunderbastard match, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah, a solid uh, Cara Noir, solid. Um, I feel like there's still just a, you know, it's somewhat tainted in a way. Um, when the pandemic is over, which might be this summer, and then it will probably come back in the winter because the government have left too long of a gap between the first and second jab, whatever, beside the point. When we're back up and running, the promotion that will probably do the best on the UK will most likely be progress, right? Um, I'm sure they had some kind of actual decent revenue coming through from WWE. A lot of the other promotions haven't had that mm -hmm. and haven't been able to run shows. And um, I wonder what kind of support they've been having, whether they could even put anyone on furlough, whether they could have done any of this. Um, we will see what this means going forward. In terms of how the actual product is, mm -hmm. I think it's still fine. I think, I, I you know, it's... It will take a while to build up to what they were and start building those stories again. But if anyone can do it, it's it's not only the people that progress, but it's the crowd of progress. Yeah. And I don't I don't think the diehard crowd are going anywhere. Um, no, no, I agree. They're still going to be at the shows. They're still going to be at, at, at the ballroom every month. Uh, they're still going to go to the Ali Pali shows. They are still going to, you know head up north when when they return up north um 
Maybe they'll come to Plymouth. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you never know, man. You never know. Um, no, it's it's decent. It's a good. I sorry, it's hardly a starting point, but it's a good starting yeah. up again point. Um, it's probably still a bit too early to tell, given we've only had three shows so far, and the fact that that it kicked off with that little bit of controversy with Paul Robinson. Um, I think overall, I, I'm still enjoying it. Like, it is weird watching a progress show with no crowd because, like I said, the crowd and the fans are a big reason why I love watching progress. And but you can say that about all wrestling in general. But um, the matches have been good. It's clear, obviously, the, the need to reestablish a new roster and a new locker room, even though they've got a few of the old faces back. But there has been some cracking matches so far. Excuse me. Um, I'd recommend checking out, uh, I believe it was Lou Jacobs versus Ethan Allen. So they're tag team partners in the Young Guns, but they were part of the National Progression and it was in the semi-final. That was a brilliant hard-hitting match. And uh, I haven't finished watching the recent show, Chapter 106, but I did catch a few matches. Uh, TK Cooper versus Gene Winnie was terrific. Um, I'm ex- I'm very happy to see Kid Lykos back in a ring again. I generally thought he wouldn't be coming back. And so that gives me hopes that we'll be able to see schadenfreude when they can all get back together hopefully they'll make an appearance on progress and just seeing cck wrestle again would be great um roy johnson is a good choice for their new ring announcer um i think it's he doesn't come across great yet because he's very much a person who needs to feed off a crowd and i think it must be really awkward for him having to do his shtick in an empty room and try and make it entertaining so i think yeah. once the crowd returns and if he does there he'll do well and i like the commentary team not psyched on the logo they're using now. It's a bit bit boring compared to what they've used before, but again, that's that's just me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean they probably don't have much feedback right now, I suppose. Um you you really do just in every step, whether it's commentary, whether it's uh the wrestlers in the ring, whether it's the merch you sell, whatever it is it's so informed by um a crowd and by just that constant feedback you get by just people even just the the hum and the energy in the room yeah gives yeah. you that it just informs what you do and informs how you go and i think i think they're probably struggling with that a fair bit yeah no i think you're right i think i think what will be the deciding factor is when fans can return and how many will return to the product. I think you are right. There's going to be those diehards there that will basically be team progress till the very end. I think they did definitely lose a few. Like if you look at um, a lot of the comment sections, either around things with the speaking out movement or the recent stuff with Robo, there's a lot of people who do very seem to be done with progress. I think it's one of those things where I, I like, so many people would jump on the bandwagon of just wanting to cancel it outright when the speaking out thing first happened. And obviously I was upset, but I just never thought that was the way to go around it. Like at least they, they've showed that they're trying to redeem themselves by they got rid of the old management. They were at least trying to introduce a diverse management team to try and fix a lot of the issues. Fair enough. There's still a few stumbling blocks there, but I mean, they, they haven't introduced all these new policies and rules without having without there ever actually being much in wrestling. So I think it's like new territory for everyone. So I think there is going to be a few hiccups along the way. So hopefully those will get ironed out. Um I, I'm generally interested to see what happens when the fans return. I do I do like the I do like the directions head. And I think 
one one note I had was like I like the formatting of the show where it feels a bit more like a TV product in in a sense. Like they've got a bit more in like having more sort of backstage bits, which I'm not totally against. And they've got like things like a bit of adverts for merch, things like that. So I think they're trying to make it a bit more of like a more t- traditional product, but it's still got the kind of progress feel to it. Well, it's it's like they're getting it ready to fit on the network. Um, yeah, do, you're do you reckon they'll just completely get rid of demand progress and just be fully on the network? I mean, it's going to be interesting how that works, given in America it's on Peacock now, and then apparently they're looking at doing something similar over here. I don't know. Um, apparently all the stuff on Peacock is it's not going to be there like straight away. Mm. <coughs> I'm not surprised given the, the amount of shit that's on there. I mean, moving that over is going to be an absolute hassle. It's going to be very difficult to even find things on there that you want to search for. Yeah. I doubt you'll be able to just type in Stone Cold and then be able to find all those matches. Yeah. Um, it will likely not be... It will likely stunt new people watching Progress in America um, who might have been you know, seeing things. I know that it's been promoted a fair bit on the site. Or at least maybe to me, yeah. perhaps perhaps they have something in place that they know that I'm in the UK, so they know that I'll watch it. Um, no, I think I think the social media channels have done their fair share of like pushing it, you know, so at least people yeah. I guess across the world are aware that it's there, you know. Fingers crossed everything gets back and the wrestlers that have just been kind of a little bit out of work are are able to to get back in the ring um hopefully some of the disenfranchised wrestlers are able to jump back in and continue on but mm-hmm. i don't know we'll, we'll see how how just wrestling in general survives um aew wwe new japan obviously they're going to be fine but like you say so many things have died and are dying and may possibly die we have no idea if when things open up there's gonna be like we don't know how the markets for things are gonna change are people still gonna go to wrestling shows um who knows no i agree i think that's the kind of thing it's still People over in the UK are getting excited because lockdown is starting to ease and it's got that aura of last time where everyone's like, oh, well, that's the end of the coronavirus. And it's like, well, nope, we are still firmly in those woods. Um, I think I think it is a foregone conclusion that a lot of wrestling will not be able to return because of this. But given, I, I, like, I, I was talking about this with someone else before, I, think, I don't think we're ever going to see the UK wrestling scene die again i think it has firmly planted itself back i just think there is going to be a tough period following the coronavirus for it to get back to to, to like a, a, a healthy scene again but i think it will i think we've got the scene now and there's obviously like hungry new talent that'll come up and bring about like a new era if you like so it's just going to be rough roads ahead but i think eventually we'll hopefully see something good come out of it yeah awesome uh any final thoughts or remarks on progress we've kind of gone over a lot um i don't know i i do i do wonder i it's it's you just have no idea where it's going to go you know um whether there's going to be any kind of extra pushback if more people are going to come in if 
because because it happened during the pandemic mm-hmm. um we don't know if that's really gonna hit sales and tickets when things open up we don't even know if the venues that they use are even going to be fully living and surviving by the end of this all yeah um i mean you know it's very it's difficult you talk about wrestling but you you can bring up literally everything in society is is uh is on the fucking edge on the brink oh yeah totally agree man i think my close remarks would be i'm 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 hoping progress will stick around and that we see it go into a new era and that it it is imposing positive change given the fact like it was a big source where clearly a lot of bad stuff was going on um i will always remain nostalgic and a fan for it because um although i've never gone off wrestling for the longest time obviously when you're strictly only in the world of wwe it could be easy to not be as tuned in with it so i owe a lot of progress for reinvigorating my love and passion for pro for pro wrestling because it introduced the whole other world of wrestling for me to explore so i'm over obviously gonna be indebted to it for that um so it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes uh hopefully it's it's uh, nothing but good things to come out of it but we'll just have to see what happens I owe my friendship to you to progress wrestling and shit like that. So can't all be bad. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Like, uh, like I think it's a big part in why we did this podcast and why we're such good friends as a result of it. Uh, don't you, uh, hold on. Wait, wait. Give a kiss. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining everyone who's been tuning in to watch with us. Um, if you want to check us out on the social media channels, Bear Hook Club Podcast, Facebook and YouTube, Bear Hook Club Pod on Instagram and Bear Hook Club on Twitter. Uh, not a lot to plug this week. Uh, I've been saying for ages I need to edit some videos that we shot a while back. I will hopefully be doing it. Wait, The only thing I want to mention is that we do have... A new show which is in partnership with friend pick a mix podcast which i've fronted called young men yell at clouds so it's we're trying to work on the initial but i think we're going to be putting the episode on both this platform and theirs and uh, essentially it's just a conversation podcast where we get people on to complain about shit we're gonna have a revolving door of guests so fingers crossed we'll get garrett over here on an episode i'm sure he's got plenty he would love to rant about um so just keep an eye out for that i'm hopefully going to be releasing that next week but until then if not catch you next week guys see ya